to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 9, nice, which is titled, How the Finch Stole Christmas. <laughs> Shut up. I had to do it, Daniel. I had to. The episode aired on December 16th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? This is the last episode of the 90s. Uh, this podcast will be ending here because of what the Y2K bug. It's <laughs> We're not, we're not Y2K we're... compliant. Damn it, Daniel, you beat me to it. Uh, director James Cameron. Hold on, hold on. We can't just blow past a bullet point <laughs> like this is the last episode of the 90s. Come on now. Like, this is the last episode of certainly what was the formative decade of Lizzie and I's childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were probably still in diapers at this point, but like. <laughs> I like the implication that seven year old me was still in diapers, you fucking twat. But I mean, that's crazy to think about. Like when, when I certainly when I think of ER, I think of ER as a 90s show. Mm-hmm. I do, too. And I did the math. I went and did the math because this is episode 122 out of 331. So that and means more of it's in the aughts. That means that that overwhelmingly, by like a a 60-40 breakdown, 60% of the show takes place in the aughts versus 40% here in the 90s, which is just mind-blowing. I mean, obviously, we're in season six. There's 15 seasons. Obviously, just the the cocktail napkin math would have you believe that it's more of a 2000 show just by number of seasons. But it's still crazy to think about because in my head, it's a 90s show. It's a 90s show that bled into the aughts, like, not when, yeah, the other when way I, around. When I describe it, I say it's that NBC show from the 90s. Right, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that the original cast made such an impression on people. And there were a lot of people who fell off after Green left in season eight. But it's just still crazy to me to think that we have more than half of the show to go and we're leaving the 90s behind after this week. That is just insane to me. And I was not in diapers until I was seven. I just want you to know that. <laughs> much like how, much like how our gap from where we're, wherever we are in the timeline to the end of the show is always six years to you. Yeah. The the gap in our ages is just going to continue to grow exponentially. Like mm-hmm. by the end of the show, I'm going to be in my fifties, and you're still going to be twelve. I mean, just because I look like I'm fourteen, it's it's the <laughs> cherubic cheeks. Ah, <laughs> oh, now now may I go on? Please, by all means, read my terrible puns. I I saw it, and I'm so ready to read it. Director James Cameron and actress Linda Hamilton terminate their marriage after two years together, citing irreconcilable differences. See what I did there? (laughs) Daniel is full of rage at us today. Mm. Um, The Recording Industry Association of America files a lawsuit against Napster, and we're here already, in an attempt to stop the service from facilitating the transfer of pirated music. Okay. Can I just say something about this? I mean, that's what the show is for. Go yeah. for it. Because I did a little. Because I because I saw this as like a minor bullet point on the website that I use, and I was like, wait, that seems kind of big. And mm-hmm. so I dug a little more into it. I did not realize that Napster only went from sup from this past summer in 1999 to the summer of 2001. Yep. It was only two years. Yep. As a as a free at, service, like as a, a full, free pirate, yeah, as a uh, free yeah. like illegal P2P. service. Yeah. The semi-illegal service. Yeah. As a sketchy service. As a sketchy, as a legally <laughs> sketchy service. Um, Ambiguous. Yeah. I for, That's another thing that was thoroughly in my brain as, like, such of, like, mid-90s thing. 
I have you no mean, idea why. You mean but... like mid? No, you mean mid aughts, right? Like you th- you thought Napster? No, was I thought 90s? it was earlier. I thought it was like oh. I thought it was a little earlier. See, when I think of Napster, I'm thinking much more of like 2003, 2004, 2005. But then again, that yeah. was also when it was like when it was like sellout Napster. When it was like you paid for it. And... Yeah, they tried to do a subscription service. Yeah, it didn't didn't last very long. I think and I, did I also didn't it realize it only lasted two years. That's I think that's what's throwing me off. Like I figured it was somewhere like in here where it started to go downhill, but for some reason I thought it started. Mm. I'm sure I put it in the notes for the season premiere for this past summer, but hmm. it I don't know, it just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's certainly a landmark kind of moment. I mean it's that definitely changed the music industry for. For better or worse, I mean, it, it is undeniable that it's had a big impact in terms of, like, how music is distributed now, both legally and illegally. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Lord, Lord knows it was two-thirds of my music business education in college was talking about, you know, streaming and peer-to-peer and all of the effects this had on everything and distribution. Oh, mm. And if I ha- and if I haven't said it before, I will say it again for for future reference. I'm a Kazaa kind of gal. I was a I was a LimeWire boy. Ooh, I'm RIP your computer. <laughs> there I, were several close calls. Let me tell you. <laughs> I was not brave enough to pirate music. Oh, my brother taught me how. Uh, I believe I friend of the most sh- useful skills he ever gave. <laughs> I believe friend of the show Jake Terrell Esquire was the one who taught me, which is hilarious now considering that he is a man of the law. <laughs> Hey, he's a family lawyer. Oh, he doesn't do I, any copyrights. So. I don't mean I didn't know how. I mean I was afraid the cops were going to come and catch me because that's just peak lore and energy right there. Yeah. No. Hey, I can count the I count I can count the amount of times I've gotten a copyright strike from an ISP on one hand. Yep, because you taught me how to use a VSP. <laughs> the VPN. VPN. Fuck. <laughs> Put your internet condoms on, po- folks. Uh, what else anyway, is going on that week, Lauren? Give me a second. <laughs> My shame. Okay, um, Toy Story 2 in its fourth week of release takes the weekend box office crown by just $230,000, but the the debuting film, The Green Mile, starring Tom Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan, takes the win for the entire week. Also, can we talk about how much my mind has blown that Michael Clark Duncan has been dead for 10 years this year? Is it that long, really? It was 2012. Wow, that is wild. I mean, I knew he was gone, but I thought he was much more in that. I, I thought maybe he was like a 2016 victim. Yeah, no, it was That's... definitely solidly 2012. Wow. Sad either way. Yeah, super sad. Oh, and Lizzie, let's see what pun you've done for this next one. Santana's career is a hot one, like seven inches from the midday sun, as smooth by <laughs> Rob Tom, as smooth by Rob Thomas, and himself is still the number one. Let me rephrase it. As Smooth by Rob Thomas and Santana himself is still the number one song. Oh, boy. Hey, you want to know something awesome? It's the last, that should be, that should be the last pun I ever have to make with this. Oh, how's that for a tease? Don't spoil it. I'm sorry. We gotta, you have to leave me in this music limbo so I never know when I'm going to have to stop reading. I might be wrong. I know there's some bleed over into 2000, but I think pretty quickly in 2000 we... The, the world moves on, or at least the United States does. Well, uh, what else is on on this just nine days before the final Christmas of the 20th century? 
uh, 8 p.m. Friends with the episode The One with the Routine, a.k.a. The One with the Rockin' New Year. I'm not sure if this was like a if this was actually the full title of the episode or maybe it's just known by multiple titles within the fandom. I have no clue. It's um, just that it's the crossover with the Dick Clark universe. Maybe so. Yeah, the Dickiverse. Uh, at 8.30, Jesse with the episode The Christmas Party. At 9, Frazier with the episode The Fight Before Christmas. And at 9.30, Stark Raving Mad with the episode Christmas Cheerleader. This week's so, episode. I was going to say, so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Mazel tov. Uh, this week's episode had 29.1 million viewers tuning in. This week's episode is directed by Fred Einisman. Einisman? Uh, doing his one and only episode as a director. However, he was also a medical advisor on the show for a full 289 episodes, uh, and he would later go on to be an executive producer on uh, some other medical show over on ABC. Uh, This week's episode is written by Linda Gase, doing her final episode as a writer, 25th out of 25, uh, and... uh, most recent one of hers we've talked about that she's most of what she's credited for on imdb is staff writers so it's hard to pin down ones that she actually wrote a hundred percent on her own i think the last one we talked about that was a hundred percent purely hers uh was nobody doesn't like amanda lee from last season uh and no green or malucci this week and in case the whole time of year and the whole everything preceding it before before it was and the name of the episode it's a christmas episode hooray Yay. I'll yeah. say right now, this is probably one of my favorite Christmas episodes we've had to watch so far. Oh, this yeah. Is my, this is the most memorable one to me for stuff yeah. that I'll talk about later. But of, <laughs> of, of all the Christmas episodes we've had thus far, I think this is definitely the most memorable one. And even though I'm a guy who appreciates a good pun now and again, this has always been kind of an episode that's on my shit list for titles because I just think it's incredibly lazy. <laughs> but, hey. Like, I, well, I don't know. But like, Leave It to Weaver is, is comedy gold. But Leave It to Weaver focused on Weaver. Like, Cleo is arguably the C-plot in this episode. Or and Green with Envy. We'll get in. Those episodes are about Green. <laughs> like, this yeah. is. But again, we'll, we'll get into it. Anyway. Uh, but we open Carol's listening to Christmas carols while she's got one baby in one arm and she's on the phone with her mom. Uh, she's cooking dinner at 6 p.m. Says the day got away from her, which we normally eat around 6. Like, I didn't realize 6 p.m. was late. Maybe it's because it's a holiday dinner. I was going to say, I started cooking dinner last night at 8.30. Yeah. Uh, but she drops a dish on the floor and... Very, uh, very loudly yell, very loudly yells, "Damn it!" And then Kate starts crying in her little seat, and the smoke alarm goes off, and it's just so motherhood's going really well. It's going for great. Carol is what the whole whole summation of this scene is. And I, I would like to give credit to the uh, Foley work uh, here, much better than the uh, mashed potatoes from yep. last episode or two episodes ago, whatever it was. Uh, much better job on the uh, dropping of the dish here. And also, too, I have to wonder if it's expensive to call that long distance into the Shadow Realm to talk to her mom on the phone. Uh, is it, <laughs> it, can't, it can't be cheap to get to the Shadow Realm in 1990s long distance. Ugh, speaking of Shadow Realm and things that are dark and gross and ugh, uh, Lizzie is in surgical recovery, checking on Dean Rollins, who is complaining of chest pain. And as as she goes over to check on him, he starts singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town in the most haunting version ever. And as a reminder, this is the assailant from last week's episode. And he's bragging to Corday that the DA can't prove Jack thanks to you. 
Was that last week or two weeks ago? I, it all, Daniel. It, I'm just asking. If I remember. I'm, you probably, know, you probably know somebody. You know two somebody's gonna correct you if I don't. So, like, would you probably, rather hear it from me ago. or a Facebook comment? I embrace all corrections from our Facebook <laughs> listeners for how often I'm wrong. Thank you very much. And you, you always give me the stink eye when I correct you. Well, that's because it's you. In with some bangs, team. <laughs> Uh, I I'm I really have come to appreciate this episode how much this guy looks like Dark Side Negaverse Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. like he he's Keanu Reeves Sith Lord, like <laughs> he has the 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 same haircut the same kind of like surfer dude overall look but just evil and just bad in every way. Moving on from that lovely visual, uh, Lucy's we go go into uh, Lucy's pulled onto a case with Carrie uh, Valerie Page, uh, who was played by played by actress Mindy Christ, who appeared in stuff like The Time Machine, Dark Skies, and the Jane Austen Book Club. Is that something you know, Lauren? I love that you assume that <laughs> because I'm a literature freak and was raised female that I would know about Jane Austen Book Club. Book I hate to disappoint you, but I do not. Damn. Book club was love, in the title. Must be Lauren's bullshit. I do love me some uh, Pride and Prejudice, though. Unironically. But do you like it with the zombies? Nah. I'm not a big fan of zombie fiction. So, not really. Anyway. Uh, but she's got some heart issues. She's having trouble breathing. She's on the transplant list for a new heart and Lauren. Oh, you had it highlighted. I was going to let you do it. Do you no, want to do it? No, it's your bit. Okay. Whose films are those? There it is, folks. Uh, Carrie's mentoring Carrie's mentoring uh, Lucy throughout the entire trauma, and it's just, it's really nice to see someone actually sitting and teaching Lucy. Like, letting her make her own small, well, maybe not so small, mistakes, but, like, having someone there to immediately double-check double check her throughout her trauma to make sure she's getting everything right. And uh, she does get one small thing wrong, because Valerie does go into a... I think it's I think it's uh, VTAC, but she has a pulse mm-hmm. is the thing. So like, so Lucy was like, "Oh yeah, we got a shocker," and Carrie's like, "It's not a good idea to shock a patient who's wide awake." Yeah, <laughs> let's go with lidocaine as, first. As somebody who used to teach CPR, I had to make that point uh, quite a lot actually, and still occasionally ha- I can remember uh, distinctly one time having um, an older gentleman employee who, I think, just in the panic of um, of an emergency was like uh gonna go run and grab the defibrillator the aed defibrillator and put it on somebody who was wide awake and i was like maybe don't maybe don't do that like we don't we don't need that it'll be fine just call 911 you, you did good you did good but we learned it's christmas eve and lucy's and lucy in her naivety in her naivety naivete 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 uh Lucy, in her naivete, says uh, maybe they'll just change her meds and get her home in time for presents. And Carrie pulls her immediately pulls into the hall, and was like, "You don't know enough about this case to to make those kinds of promises." I love how she says, "You're a fourth year. You've learned a lot. Now go apply that knowledge and get a history." Good, good, Mama Carrie stuff. Mm-hmm. We go from there to Corday and Benton. Uh, Benton is covering the transplant service tonight so that he can spend tomorrow morning with Reese. Uh, we learn Mark is in California with his dad packing up his belongings. Hmm. Mm. Papa Green coming to Chicago. 
uh, we get the first of two good sign uh, bits in the background, uh, a sign in the background with the phrase, grow your power, break it, which I don't know what that's referring to. It's a cigarette. There's a cigarette. I noticed there was a cigarette split in half. So it must be quitting smoking. Yeah. But it, as just as a, a text message without the picture, it's a little bit uh, aggressive. Dump your loose squares down the toilet, folks. There you go. Uh, at the <laughs> at the uh, admit desk, Yosh is trying to decorate, uh, and the ER is going crazy. Uh, Carter has organized a secret Santa uh, and is collecting everyone's presents in a big red bag. Uh, we get a mention of Malik uh, wanting a Game Boy. Uh, that'll come into play a little bit later in the episode. Uh, and we get a new desk clerk here that I completely forgot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amira, uh, who is played by actress Pamela Sinna, uh, who appeared in stuff like Happy Place and Why the Last Man, which I can only assume is about literally the last man on Earth doing something trash. Uh, and she is making her first out of 17 appearances through 2005. <laughs> Is this where she says, it's Ramadan, gotta go pray. Yeah, which I thought was such a cool, like, yeah. why didn't we do more with this character? Because clearly she doesn't make that much of an impression because yeah. I had edited her entire I, existence out. I hadn't even put her in the notes because I thought she was just one of those quick, like, B-plot stand. I completely forgot that she's a regular. Yeah, she'll be semi-regular, you yeah. know. I, this is the only episode I remember. Of, because, and only for that line. Yeah, that seems like such a, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. It's just... I love... It's going to get touchy for those kind of characters here in a couple of years. So, yeah. Uh, But then a gentleman approaches Carrie in a Santa suit, uh, starts talking to her, and then immediately projectile vomits all over her. Right after she says she doesn't want anything or need anything from the secret Santa, Carter goes, guess she needs some scrubs. Quite possibly (laughs) the worst, most disgusting vomit we have seen on the show to date. So foul. Oh, my God. Um but then Lucy and Benton are examining Valerie to see if she qualifies to be like pushed up the transplant list for a new heart ASAP. Uh, Benton tells Lucy to see if cardiology has a bed in the meantime. And both Santas have been puking nonstop since having some eggnog at a bar and Carter dares, uh, Carter dares laugh at the idea of Carrie as Mrs. Claus. So she sets him on recovery duty for the two men, including suppositories. He just goes, ah, bah humbug. Maybe don't make fun of your boss then. Right. Doesn't work out great for you. Uh, We then go over to the hallway. We see Luca, who is midway through a double shift that he volunteered for so that people could see their families. Uh, Right. Once again, kind of sort of alluding to the fact that maybe Luca's got some complicated family history uh, that he doesn't have anybody to spend Christmas with. Um, But he is uh, Cleo is also talking to him here, but we're interrupted by uh, Chad from a few episodes ago who is brought in, who has fallen down the stairs. Uh, And the uh, friend that brought him in won't say what he's messed up on and kind of just dips out once he uh, is in the trauma room. So we will check back in on Cleo and Chad a little bit later. Uh, We then cut over to I believe this is Carter's patient. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tommy. Uh, Tom, Tommy, who I did not catch his name right away, so I affectionately marked him down in my notes as Zipper Dick, uh, because he, <laughs> his chief complaint is that he has zipped himself up in his zipper because he was in a hurry to see Santa. Uh, and Carter says, "I'm gonna have to cut it off." And the parents like immediately recoil, like, "What? What are you talking about?" And he's like, "I meant the zipper." It's a very, very cute little gag. We'll see. Yeah, for some reason, I immediately think of this scene whenever I think of season six ER. I have no idea why. Well, like my brain latched on to this 
nothing storyline. I could see why I might latch onto it for sure. It's a, a <laughs> bit of a traumatic scenario to envision. Fair. So I I hate that my brain went to there's something about Mary because of this. <laughs> how'd you get the like, Frank uh, above the beans? <laughs> yeah. Or no, how'd you get we the get beans above the Frank? <laughs> Yeah, oh my I, God. I hate that that's where my brain went. I'm like, I've seen that movie twice, and it's... Never seen it, I'm good. That's fine. Honestly, it's, yeah, wow. Talk you, about, like... Talk about a... humor. Yeah, talk about, like, how the cultural zeitgeist can change, because there was a, a pretty decent chunk of time, around right around this time, where that was, without debate, you're not allowed to question it, the funniest fucking movie that had ever been made according to pop culture at large. Like you were, no one was allowed to question there's something about Mary's status as the funniest film of all time. We've done it. We've peaked comedically. We can't possibly do anymore. And now I wouldn't watch that movie if you paid me. Like it is awful. There's so much, there's so much now that like, you want to talk about us being little snowflakes? Oh, I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, there's just, and it's not even that it's offensive. It's just not funny, but. And yet you've, You've made the joke about my hair several times in our group chat, you piece of shit. Have I made that specific joke? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, you you have. have. Eh, Yeah, you have. Of all the offensive things in that movie, I think that one's the least offensive. Yeah, fair. Okay, but then Lucy barges into surgery while Benton is scrubbed in doing an appy. She says she found a study that, um, that an LVAD might be a potential solution for Valerie's problems. And Benton says, well, we're screwed because they don't have that device at County, to which uh, Lucy says that Rush has started their study already and maybe they can get her transferred over to Rush. I like it. They'll work on it. Yeah, I I love how Benton just immediately trusts her with it, like that she's proven herself to him enough up to this point that he's like, yeah, sure, go for it. Like, he never would have let Carter do that. (laughs) He never would have let Carter do that when he was a student. Uh, But Dean is being transferred to the prison ward. Hooray! Um, Because apparently they found, they connected him to a different murder. So even though he's not being charged with the one we know about, they found out about a different one. Okay. All right. Uh, So he starts to reach for Corday and calls her a bitch, which... She immediately, in the, her most pompous voice, says, Hard restraints now! <laughs> um, but he complains of leg pain, and apparently it's the leg's a little dusky, so, uh, but there's no, and there's no foot pulses, so something's wrong. And then uh, Carol comes into the admit desk, and Halle is so excited to see the twins, and Chuni is fussing all over them, too. And Carol's like, I'm not here to visit. I'm here because Kate... Kate, Kate doesn't sound good. Like, Kate's not looking great. I need to get her checked out. Is there an attending free? And the nurses just kind of kidnap the girls while they look for an attending for Kate. <laughs> They're just like, yep, we got it. It's fine. It's fine. I like how she has Kate. very distinct looking carriers for each one of them so she can tell mm-hmm. them apart, too. I thought that mm-hmm. was a nice touch. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, they've got different patterns on their little, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the carrier, I guess. Like, yeah. Do we ever establish if they're identical or fraternal twins? No. I don't, yeah, I don't think that. All babies look the same. Yeah, no, at no. this point, they all look the same, yeah. Like a lumpy potato. Uh, but uh, Lucy at the admin desk is asking if uh, it's possible to get surgical equipment transferred, and Chuni makes it sound like it's a very easy process. You just have to get a form signed and uh, have a doctor sign off on it. So, and Bob, your uncle. See how that goes for her. Uh, but we go back over to Zipper Dick, who is sad because the mall is closed. Uh, now he can't see Santa. Uh, and as Yoshin and the dad are working on cleaning him up, Carter bursts in dressed as Santa. 
and <laughs> the kid buys it for a second and then he's like the santa at the mall was fat and wore glasses and then like kicks him in the crotch and uh <laughs> it's about this point where carter just gives up on the whole thing and is like all right you got this yosh i'm gonna go play in the trauma room and goes off to check on the next uh, trauma next door where we have a 15 year old uh taylor sparks uh which sounds like an american idol contestant it um, does 15 <laughs> year old gunshot wound to the shoulder during a drive-by and uh, carter finds his gun while they're looking for back wounds carter and guns recurring theme this episode the Kovach is the one they rounded up to check on Kate. Uh, Carol feels like she's being a little crazy for bringing Kate in, but Luca, to his credit, is like, no, fevers can be concerning in babies babies of this age. So let's be safe. Let's. He said he say like laid out all the things he could do, and and he he's like, okay, so you're as a mom. As as a nurse, would you say that all of the stuff that I just mentioned is necessary? No, but as but as a mom, I want to do everything we can do. And so he's like, okay, let's start with get some urine and draw a little bit of blood, and we'll go from there. And Carol asks Halle to draw the blood because Halle is the best uh, one in the ER doing that. Best stick in the ER. Best stick in the ER. I think I couldn't remember what the phrase she used. Yep, and then. uh... Cleo has Chad hooked up to a banana bag and recovering. Um, Mom hasn't come in yet, and Dad is AWOL with his new family vacationing off somewhere. Uh, Cleo wants to call Chad's dad and fill him in, and Mom has shown up out in the hall. I noticed we got a lot of Lily this episode. Mm -hmm. She she did a lot of background work this episode. She was around a lot. Um, But Cleo fills Mom in on how Chad's doing, and mom says she did not hear him fall because they were having a holiday party. She thought Chad was upstairs just playing video games. Said she had let him have one beer because it's the holiday break. Psycho. And Cleo's like, uh, definitely not, based on his alcohol level. Like, come on. Maybe it was so, one, it was one of those big novelty like boot things where she just filled it with beer. It's one beer. Yep. Oh, das Boot. Lord knows that got me drunk. Very quickly when I had one of those. I love you, Lauren. That's, that's <laughs> how we met. Um, but then, so mom goes in to check on Chad, and Cleo just leaves them be for a little bit. And then we get a 71-year-old motor vehicle accident uh, victim on the way, who who, w- who was injured on the way to Mass. Um, Benton is assisting the trauma with Carrie. And Daniel, who plays Mr. Waller? Yeah, Mr. Waller, played by actor David Bird, who appeared in stuff like Tango and Cash, Lost Highway, and The Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, and he passed away in 2001, as you might imagine from his age this episode. And uh, they say he may have a leak in his aorta, so they've got to get him up to surgery right away to get evaluated and cleaned up. And uh, Corday tells Dean there's a clot in his left femoral artery preventing blood flow and that he needs surgery. Uh, he says he's going to take his chances because otherwise he's going to go to trial for what he claims are bogus charges. And good God, is he gross as he talks about Corday. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, uh, he will be signing a form refusing surgery. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for not getting the clip on this one. <laughs> yeah, no. Once, nope. once I... of watching it was enough. Yeah, I did get a clip with her and Dean, but... But not this one, though. This one is particularly kind of icky. Uh, But, yeah. 
so <laughs> we go to what is quite possibly the boldest move of Lucy's life up to this point, uh, where we find out that she signed Benton's name to the form for him because he was busy in surgery, which again, things you can get away with when you're Lucy Knight that you could not get away with when you were John Carter. <laughs> Carter would be dead where he stood if he did this. <laughs> But Lucy, he's just kind of like, yeah. why would you do that? Like, he kind of, like, questions it, like, why would you do that? But doesn't also appear to be that upset either. It's very... Maybe he's actually grown and he can actually see where she might have... Perhaps. Maybe he saw where she was coming might from. Might have been like encouraged that. to do that, but not... Yeah. I don't know. But in any event, it's a $50,000 device that she has uh, signed his name to that ostensibly, I would imagine if you're doing a, a hospital to hospital transfer like this, whoever's doctor's name is on the form, I would imagine is responsible for it. <laughs> so like that's a $50,000 thing that she has just signed him up for. Uh, but oopsies, devil's in the details as uh, we find out that he is not qualified to uh, work on this piece of equipment. Uh oh, uh, only Romano is, uh, and he is off for the holiday. Darn it. So uh, Lucy's at a bit of a dead end at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we follow Benton and Connie into the elevator with Mr. Waller uh, when he starts to crash and they are uh, working on him when the elevator opens and we see some carolers briefly, uh, which... Lauren, this made me think of the interview that we did with Terrence where he was talking about the elevators yes. and how the, ele- you know, as you might imagine, like we didn't, of course, we've never questioned this as fans or as viewers, but like, obviously the elevators don't move. They're not right. real yeah. elevators. So that means that when those doors open, those are swing sets that they have quickly like erected and quickly made to look like a different floor and put actors in and like placed everything so perfectly. And then by the time the doors open again, it looks like a different thing. And it, But it's still the same room, which is just still right. so crazy to think about that they were able to like do that. I felt so dumb when he told us that. <laughs> And it, you thought you, they actually like built no, a little no, cross section of a I, hospital and a sound no, station? No, just, just no, 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 it wasn't even that. It was, a, and you'll hear me when we get to this interview when it airs on the main feed. But I just didn't even think about it. It wasn't that I thought like, oh, of course they build elevators. It was, oh, duh, of course those right. aren't real. Yeah, you've just never questioned, and and they rarely do this too. Where they right. they they rarely will do, um, like take the elevator, stop on a floor, and then go to a different floor. It's usually one-to-one. They start in the ER, and they go to the surgical floor, or vice versa. It's rare for them to, like, stop on another floor, and we see something, and then the doors close, and we go back to another one. So I just thought that was really, like, bold of them to to try here. Um, But uh, we do get a very nice stylistic sign in the background, one that I think would probably fit in pretty well as an advertisement today like the uh the coloring on it was very distinct it's almost like lizzie's color uh of highlight in the notes uh if you follow our notes on Mm. patreon like it's this like deep uh pinkish purple um and it says women on the move without cigarettes and it's uh a group of like 50s 60s style uh ladies like kind of walking arm in arm uh and it's like very stylized letters it was actually a really pretty sign i thought it was really cool uh, but uh, when they get Mr. Waller back uh, from his crash, he uh, says that he saw his wife, Edith. Ugh. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll hear more about uh, Mr. Waller's situation in a little bit. Uh, and then we also find out that Halle uh, gives Carter Malik's Game Boy. Uh, she says, I didn't want to hear his griping if he didn't get it. <laughs> Which I love that Malik wants a Game Boy. Yeah, right. And I like the implication that Malik is like 
kind of a man baby that like he can't go out and get his own goddamn game boy he has to like he's gonna throw a tantrum if he doesn't get it they're expensive at this time i think uh we see the, we see the actual Game Boy later in the episode. I think it was either a Game Boy Pocket or a Game Boy Color. It's color. It's a Game Boy Color, yeah. So that it was that's, the teal Game Boy Color. So that's like a ninety dollar, maybe hundred dollar. I think Carter says eighty. Ca- Carter so. says eighty, but I'm thinking it was like ninety or a hundred. Um, Shit's expensive. Did everybody have a Game Boy Color? Yes. What yes. what color was your Game Boy Color? Uh, translucent purple, of course. Ooh. I think my f- mine originally i'm trying to remember because like my sister and i both had one and then i bought a second one later on when i had lost my first one so i don't remember if my original one was purple or if it was teal my i had so i had the og game boy the the thick boy Mm -hmm. i had a gold game boy pocket Mm -hmm. and i had the lime green game boy color i had a dark blue game boy pocket yeah. That I remember vividly having. I thought the Game Boy Pocket was cool as shit, and I still have the like uh, the advertisement for it, the commercial for it, like burned into my brain. I still the see pocket, it. Visually. The Pocket was perfect. Yeah. Oh, it was mm, perfection. Another lounge episode. We'll just talk about the Game Boy for like three days. It's <laughs> fine. We go back over to uh, Carol. Kate has a basically normal white count, but Carol wants to get another test because she's nervous and... She's talking, she's talking about it, and she's like, I can handle 40 patients in one shift, but not two infants. And Kovach says, welcome to parenthood. <laughs> Very cute. Um, Lucy calls Romano on the phone, and it's, keep in mind, it's probably like, what, 10, 11 at night at this point? Yeah. He says yeah, it's, it's almost midnight. You can... Yeah. And, and she's like, it's, you know, it's Lucy, med student, whatever. And, she, and like, he says something, and she goes, no, it's about a patient. <laughs> Which is, so like, he, so good. He, you can, it's so good that he of course thinks it's a booty call or something <laughs> and um she tries to explain it and asks him for help and he hangs up on her because he's like it's fucking late at night no go away um and then taylor is asking carter for his gun back and because it was a present for his brother and carter gives him the game boy to give to his brother instead and i got so mad because this kid rips open the wrapping paper and the packaging and starts walking down the hall with the Game Boy Color as he walks away as if it would do anything without a cartridge or batteries. Oh, man. Like, he just starts, like, pushing buttons on it. And I'm like, either this was a directorial choice and they didn't realize that it needed stuff to work or this was just the kid, like, messing with it as he was walking away. I don't know which direction to take it. I certainly hope somebody got fired for that blunder. But we go from there. Uh, the social worker Adele uh, is back to talk with Cleo about Chad and his mom. And suddenly, whatever the like uh, proclivities were about not being able to get Chad into any sort of supervised program a few episodes ago have evaporated now because that is suddenly on the table. Uh, so we'll see how that goes um, a little bit. Later. I think it's I think it's because of the discussion they have here. Yeah, I mean they they do sort of um, reveal or. or uh, re- allude to the fact that uh, they believe that the mom is the one buying him the alcohol, um, which I suppose could change the calculus on that. Um, but we go back up to the OR where uh, Mr. Carrie Weaver, uh, Dr. Babcock, uh, asks if uh, Benton has consented Mr. Waller for surgery. Uh, but Mr. Waller, uh, after his little episode in the elevator, has now had a change of heart, is now saying no surgery. Uh, and Benton says, you know, Hey, that whole seeing your dead wife thing, that was a hallucination. That was not real. Uh, please don't, uh, 
Uh, don't make any rash decisions about your health based on a hallucination in an elevator. A rush of endorphins. Yeah. Uh, and says that he probably won't live through the night without the surgery. Uh, and he just replies solemnly, that means Edith and I can spend Christmas together. <laughs> it is a, it is I'm a, not crying. You're crying. Yeah, it, is a, it is a sweet sentiment, but Benton has a point, too. Uh, and Lucy has to go break the news to Valerie that she was not able to make anything happen. Yes, Lauren? Um, I would just like to note here in the episode that this is where Lizzie jinxed us. Lizzie, oh, yeah. Lizzie and I are watching this episode having a lovely time. I'm taking great notes. And Lizzie goes, wow, this really hasn't had many audio clips. This is this has been kind of nice. And I looked at her and I was like, you, you just fucking had to say it. <laughs> because we then pulled four audio clips in the span of five minutes. <laughs> so. Oh, Lizzie. Buckle up, friends. I hope y'all like your listening parties. Because Lizzie didn't knock on wood after she said it. And this is what we get. All right, let's get st- kick it off with our first audio clip. Carol and Hole are talking about motherhood. Breastfeeding was so difficult. At first, I felt like this cow with these huge udders. You look like a natural to me. Mm-hmm. Being that I do it every three hours. When do you sleep, Carol? Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. The kitchen is now closed. And Auntie Hale should get back to work. Yeah. Thanks for the chair. Oh, OB won't miss it. Manual, Dave came back. Case white count is normal. Oh, that's great. Do you hear that, sweepy? You're gonna be okay. Probably just a virus. Not too surprising this time of year. I'm sorry if I've been. What a good parent. No, I was gonna say difficult. Yeah, same thing. Uh, I can't believe it's 2 a.m. Yeah, it's Christmas. That's right. It's Christmas. I like to imagine a comedy C plot going on up in OB where Abby's going, who the fuck stole my chair? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that heist episode with all, except it's all the OB nurses yes. instead of all the ER nurses. It's, it's Abby and the girl, the lady from Orange is the New Black trying to steal their uh, breastfeeding chairs back. That heist episode feels so far away. Well, it was a full five years ago at this point. So both in real time and on the timeline. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I love I I love Luca and Carol. I love them as Me friends. Too. I do not like them as romantic partners. I th- I think I'm... they I think they have nice warm chemistry. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about romantic partners yet. I'm I'm yeah. letting myself decide as that develops. But I think the two of them have at least chemistry yeah, yeah. together. I it's believable that they would be friends at least. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I would not not argue that at all. Fair enough. Well, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Anspa's back, and he let's see what wisdom he has for our fair young surgeons. I admitted him to ICU. Donald, I saw your name on the board. What are you doing here this time of night? I had a gastroenteritis turn into an ischemic bowel on me. Merry Christmas. So, Peter, shall we include Elizabeth in on your dilemma? I've got a AAA patient who refuses to have surgery because he believes he saw his dead wife waiting for him on the other side. It's funny. I have a patient refusing surgery as well, except mine's the devil incarnate. (laughs) Dean Rollins. As far as I'm concerned, good riddance. And who made you judge and jury? Donald, you have no idea how despicable this man is. Oh, I'm sure I don't. But being a doctor isn't about your personal feelings. So let's get back to your patient. Well, I tried talking to him. He won't listen. But did you listen? 
You know, this man is probably frightened, and thinking that he saw his dead wife makes him feel less so. If he thought that you understood that, maybe he'd be more receptive to what you have to say. But ultimately, it's the patient's choice. Of course. But we must offer to do everything we can to keep them alive. You know that meme template where Skeletor comes in and tells you shit you don't want to hear and then turns around and leaves? That's <laughs> that's kind of what Anspa has become. <laughs> he's just surgery dead. Yeah, he's just surgery but, dead. Yeah. Just shows up, dispenses all the beautiful wisdom you could ever want, and then my job is done here. But wait, you didn't do anything. I'll be back next week. <laughs> next year, probably. Yeah, because this is the last episode of the 90s. Uh, next century. Do do the, the third deer dad joke. There's there's an argument coming oh, later. Oh, the... we're gonna have we're gonna have words about that argument. <laughs> but he's right. Oh yeah, he's right in everything also, he says. Yes. Also, I love his little Santa cap. Yeah, he has his little Christmas themed <laughs> scrub cap. It's it, the cutest thing ever. I love Anne's. Also, Am, I do too. Am I the only one here who thought that this story was going a completely different direction and that one of these two people was going to end up giving their heart to Valerie? Oh, interesting. That kind of would, that I, would be sort of the conventional wisdom of a Christmas episode would lead you to believe. Because I never remember anything from any of these episodes. <laughs> so I was watching this and I was like, I bet one of these fuckers is going to go uh, veggie and give give Valerie their we heart. We should all strive to watch ER with the same kind of childlike innocence and wonder that Lauren does. I've seen the show. <laughs> I wonder once. what's going to happen to sure? all these nice people in this hospital. No. <laughs> okay, you are to ER what Jake is with Mad Men. No. <laughs> I am offended by that because I at least remember the broad strokes. Uh, Thank you very much. And I would like to point out that there are no next of kin for these because um, this guy's wife is gone and we don't know about any children. That's true. And murder creep guy. Nobody likes him. No, he likes him. Yeah. So either one could have worked. Just like I'm convinced that what's his face was the old lady killer. Also, also a Christmas seasons. episode. <laughs> also a Christmas episode. Just saying, Lauren. Ba- I could I could backseat quarterback for ER. Any Lauren day. gets all of her best uh, fantasy booking done in the Christmas episodes. Yep, it's there amazing. I don't write fan fiction. Speaking of evil creeps that no one likes, uh, let's go to Romano's house. Uh, where <laughs> me? <laughs> What? Oh no, him got oh, it. Or Lucy? No, I meant I'm an evil creep that no one likes. You oh. were talking about Dean. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you think I meant you? I don't know. It's been a long day. It's month end. Be nice to me. Lucy's also had a long day, so let's see her plead her case to Romano in person. Okay, Gretel. Okay, you can stop now. You got my attention. Before you say anything. I've thought of at least a dozen reasons why I shouldn't be doing this, uh, not the least of which is ruining my career. Well, I'd love to hear the others, but since the police are on their way... I have a patient, Valerie Page, 24 years old, dying of cardiomyopathy. She's on the UNOS list, but an LVAD could buy her valuable time. What makes you think I give a rat's ass? I'm sorry. What was I thinking? Coming to you. A seasoned doctor who supposedly has dedicated his entire life to helping people. While I'm just a puny medical student who is stupid enough to think that she could actually make it... What do you want? I want you to help my patient. I want you to help me. Damn. Damn, Lucy. See, this is the Lucy when I say 
that Lucy is one of the biggest missed opportunities of the entire series. Shit like this. Hard to argue with. Is excellent. Is excellent. And I also realized that this storyline in this episode is why Romano cares so much about what happens later on in the season. Mm -hmm. She makes an impression. Yep. It's really, really good and really, and really tough in, in a lot of ways, too, because it's so like and also, too, I was doing the like the the calendar math as I'm watching this episode of like this takes place on Christmas and the other thing takes place on Valentine's Day, which means we're talking like six weeks. Like uh, oh. this is a this is a relatively like short period of time we're talking about between here and, and where we're going. And it's just like, man, like Lucy to me especially now that we're like we, we've we're going through we're through the bulk of her story and we're getting into like the end times of her her time on the show and she's to me like one of those uh professional athletes who is always injured or unable to play or whatever but when they do play they score like 50 points like they're she's one of those like grant hill type players who like is just out for the season most of the time. But then when they do show up, you're like, holy shit, they're really good. Like you forget why, because for so much of her time on the show, especially after they dispensed of her and Carter as an item, potentially they really have kind of sidelined Lucy for the most part. Like she takes place in, she uh, participates in mostly like B and C storylines. Hasn't really had much to like chew and, and dig into herself. And this is like, a reminder for us of like, no, sh this girl has it and has done a tremendous amount of growth since she started on the show in season five. Like she has come so far in just a year and a half as a character. And, and like I said, we're so close to the end with it now that it's like, uh, it feels like too little, too late a little bit. Like you do feel like you're being robbed of something. Couldn't have said it better myself. Mm -hmm. mm. So from here, a couple of young boys, probably like 10 to ranging in age from like 10 to 13, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no more. Um, come in saying that they heard someone was giving out Game Boys for guns, <laughs> which Carter says he will handle. And Daniel, you noticed something really interesting that nobody else in the world would have <laughs> caught. What was it? Oh, boy. So if you are following our uh, Facebook page, uh, our Facebook group, rather, uh, official Setting the Tone community, uh, I posted this video like probably more than a month ago now based on how we record uh, I think we're, this episode, I think, comes out in late March, and we're uh, in early March as we're recording this, and I think I posted this the other day when I watched the episode. But as as these kids come into the ER, uh, they are uh, stopped by Chuni first, uh, and then eventually Carter, and when they do, over Carter's shoulder is the trauma room window. But when they flip the perspective around so that you're seeing the kids talk to Carter, uh, Carter is now magically in front of the ambulance bay doors despite the fact that he didn't like say like, Oh, let's go over here and talk or like, let's move over here or whatever. Like no, no indication that any movement has taken place, but they are now on the clear opposite side of the ER in the space of one shot, uh, which is a pretty, pretty egregious move for a show that doesn't really do that very much. Um, and I put it in the comments to the video too. I think the thing that I think gets me the most about it is that like, like Lauren said, these kids, these three kids are between the ages of like 10 and 13. So they're like old enough to be aware of their surroundings, old enough to have opinions of their own and old enough to like think they know everything. And I can guarantee you one of these three kids when they went to shot, shoot that secondary part of the scene with Carter, I can guarantee you one of those three kids was thinking to themselves, this is not where we're supposed to be standing. And 
either no one listened to them, like they said something and nobody believed them, or they just did the kid thing and were like, I better not say anything because I'll get in trouble. Like, I just guarantee, I have to believe one of these three kids caught on to this because they are so completely not even close to in the right place to where they were for the beginning half of this scene that it just doesn't make any sense that no one caught it. But I don't know. Like you said, it's this kind of thing that only I would notice. Which I love. You are so tuned into ER geography. That it's so good. But um, then Benton goes to talk to Mr. Waller, but finds out that he coded under an hour ago, so he is unfortunately deceased. It's kind of a weird way to put it. <laughs> He's dead. He's just the, just the the way the way you said it, it was. He's unfortunately, unfortunately deceased. Deceased? Question mark. It's, We're not it's, quite it's sure, an, but. It's the Midwest deceased. Just em- the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Homie's dead. That's the <laughs> homie's dead. So what's next? Oh, everyone loves Dean, right? Right? No. Right? Okay, awesome. Not let's in go- Gilmore Girls, and not in this. What let's, the fuck? Let's happens? listen to let's listen to him and uh, Corday have a chat. You miss me? I'm curious about something. Me too. Are you a natural redhead? I'd like to see for myself. I find it fascinating you're willing to end up a vegetable for the rest of your miserable life just to win a pissing contest. Well, that's one contest with you I'm sure I can win. If you don't have surgery, the flesh on your leg will begin to rot and become painfully infected, probably gangrenous. Oh, you're scaring me, Doc. Next, you'll go into septic shock, which will drop your blood pressure so low you'll have a massive stroke. You'll wind up drooling in your food wearing diapers rather like that pathetic creature over there except of course you'll only have one leg because they'll be forced to amputate but you'll have won dean rollins now is that really the best you can do i'm telling you the truth if you choose not to believe me you'll have no one to blame but yourself You do care about me, don't you? As your doctor, I do. No, not as a doctor. As a woman. Say it. Say it. I care. Then let's do it. I would like to unsubscribe from this newsletter. Yep. Me too. Mm. No more, please. Abort on this whole storyline. Yeah. It's almost over, though, right? I think so. I think he has like three or four appearances total. So, and this is his second. So, <sighs> we're at least, at the very least, we're halfway through and we might be two thirds of the way. But. Uh, we go from there. Did did anyone really want to talk more about Dean, or can I move on? No, I just the only reason I pulled this was mostly just because, like, I feel like we had to have at least one. It is a thing that is happening. Like, it is it is most definitely a thing that is happening. And I guess it, you know, Carter had his turn in the hot seat earlier in this season, and now it's Corday's turn to have the icky storyline where we're all going like, I wish this was over. But yeah, I just I don't know. I, I sort of get what they're going for with this, and he is doing a good job of being icky. Like, that's kind of the whole yeah, exactly. point. But I just don't know. I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. 
feel like it for folks who may not have watched the show recently, just to get that context of just how much of a scumbag he yeah. is. Yeah, and he's very good at it. Very good at being a scumbag. Uh, but we go from there uh, down to the ER. A uh, guy com- comes in complaining about a malfunctioning generator. Uh, he was prepping for Y2K, which I really applaud the restraint of the writers to wait until the very last episode of the 90s before they really... I mean, we've had a couple of like brief blink-and-you-miss-it mentions of Y2K in previous episodes, but before they really went for like, no, we're going to make a thing out of this and like really date ourselves with this little... This little ditty. Uh, he was prepping for Y2K. Mr. Thorpe, who is played by actor Patrick St. Esprit, which is just an excellent name. Uh, he appeared in stuff like The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, We Were Soldiers, and Giraffe Day. He is our high watermark actor for the episode. 121 credits to his name. Uh, and Carrie says that the mainframe has been Y2K proofed, in case you needed a reminder that this was December of 1999. Uh, and he casts some doubt about that with a question about their front end terminals. And this is just like two 50 year olds walking through a like comp USA kind of energy here. Like there's so much like we understand computers jargon being thrown around that. I love it. Also, can I just take a moment to appreciate the fact that we can just kind of joke about Y2K? Yes. When the reality of it is like, no, it took like, Hundreds of thousands of as, man hours as we've ta- <laughs> around the world to get everything fixed. Yeah, as we mentioned on a previous episode, uh, the the thing, the lovely little thing about our stupid little society is that if we let calamities happen, we make it's a huge fucking calamity, and everybody goes, "Why didn't we make a? Why didn't we fix this? Why didn't? Why weren't we prepared?" You know, uh, or when we do the legwork and we actually fix it before it becomes a problem, we turn it into a big fucking joke. And that's and we go. It was fine. That was right? nothing. You, no, no one needed you to fucking worry. losers. Why'd you get wall worked up over nothing? Or I, we we live in limbo for two and a half years and three years, and we do the bare minimum, and it continues to be a hellscape. What happens next, Lauren? Uh, Chad CT came came back clear. So even if life currently is a mess, at least his head's doing okay. Uh, Cleo has gotten him placement in a program here in the hospital. And mom begs her, please, to let him leave with her. And he is promising not to drink again. He and mom clearly enable each other and have some really messed up codependency going on. Bummer. It's fine. Merry Christmas, everyone. And this is how the Finch stole Christmas. See, but that's again. She took a boy away from his mother. That's my thing, though. It's it's a C-plot and not even a particularly compelling one. It doesn't matter. It still works. still works. doesn't matter if it's not a compelling plot or a C-plot. It still technically works. And that is the best kind of working. <laughs> hey, Futurama is coming back. Hey. They just got Don, John DiMaggio yep. back on board, too, so I will yep. definitely be watching that. Bender's back. What happens next, Lizzie? Uh, Mr. Thorpe is walking Carrie through the computer stuff and has her change the date on the, on the computer to a little, after the year, a little after the beginning of the new year. And as soon as she does that, she's like, okay, go, go find my chart now. And... She has, it flash it gives it gives her the error no record for 1900 she's like what the hell what the, what'd you do what <laughs> what the hell so yeah i imagine county it might not be the the most well-funded department yeah just a just a thought and malik, and malik is very pissed that 
Carter gave away his Game Boy. Uh, we also learned that Carter also gave away a Discman, a blender, and we'll be replacing those presents as well. And Halei says more uh, kids there in chairs, re gifts for guns. Yep. And then uh, we go to Luca is looking for Carol, and she is finally passed out in the rocking chair in exam two. So he quietly shuts the door and asks Connie if they can keep exam two quiet for a while so Carol can sleep. Um, and one of the puking Santas offers to help with the computers, to which Carrie's like, eh, I can't make it any worse. Go ahead, take a look. Um, uh, he says, and he says he got his startup in tech, and that's, you know, why she's like, fine, go ahead. Um, Lizzie is working on Dean's surgery, and she says it would be so easy to just slip, but doesn't, is, continues to work on it. Uh, Benton gets a page to go to OR3 and he looks over and through the window he sees Romano in there. He's like, what the fuck is Romano doing here? This is fucking weird. I, lo- I love Romano um, giving go. him this like bloody finger. Like, come hither, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then we go over to OR3 where Lucy and Romano are working on getting the LVAD into Valerie. Um, and Romano says to Benton, I will only do favors for people banging at my doorstep from now on. <laughs> Uh, and Halei are, oh, here we go. Here we go, Daniel. Uh, Halei and Connie are arguing whether, about when a decade starts and ends, and like, sort of like when a century does, too. Is it one to ten or zero to nine? <sighs> this fucking argument. So, like, is it 1990 right. to 1999? Does... Or is it 91 to 2000? Uh, yeah, no, wait, wait, say that again. <laughs> my, you broke my brain. Is I'll say it with not you. I'll say it using the same 19. Is it 1981 to 1990? As one decade. As one decade. Or is it 1980 to 1989? It is the latter. And it's a very annoying debate. And I find it just absolutely infuriating. Like, it is, it's one of those, like, just anybody who makes this debate, it, it always comes up anytime we get to the end of a a decade like people there's always these fuckers come along well actually and that it just it doesn't end until the zero whatever listen i want to shove you into a locker okay if you <laughs> if you come to me and tell me that a decade does not end until the zero year i will in fact be pushing you into a locker like just yeah sh- that's shut up that's that's reeks of pretentiousness and oh we're and gonna i get am s- very and i'm very smart we're gonna get so many comments uh, you too. actually the 90s and i haven't given it a second thought and i don't give a shit well but see that's the thing that is the thing is that it couldn't possibly matter less in the grand scheme of things like this is totally a 1990s debate right here this is a this is a we have a surplus as a country kind of debate this is is a seinfeld episode this this is we don't have we have so little problems to think about as a society in in 1999 that we can have this kind of argument with a straight face because now if somebody tried to have this argument with me in the age of covid and uh you know looming world war three i would punch them in the face without hesitation like get out of my face with that because all this is is uh whatever today is is just arbitrary point in time after march of 2020 it is not a year it is not a decade it is not a specific date it is just time it just is i'm not even sure it's really march right who knows lousy lousy smart weather hey well there's been pretty good but this is this is just one of my like 
pet peeve type of like mm, aren't I smart kind of arguments. Just yeah. Fuck anyway, me. but Carol got a whole four hours of sleep, and the nurses took turns watching the girls. Moving on, Daniel. <laughs> Uh, we find out that Chad got taken upstairs, uh, presumably to the Shadow Realm, because we won't really be seeing any more of Chad ever again. Uh, yes, we will. Oh, uh, will we? Do we get more we with Chad? At the very end of this episode. Oh, fuck, you're right. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually. Yeah, see, this is, did you ever wonder, did you ever wonder what a one through ten decade would look like as a person? It's Lauren. Uh, yep. <laughs> we find out Luca offers. Remember again why I'm marrying her? Luca offers to cute. give Carol a ride. Uh, he uh, informs her that he has a car since he sold his boat. Uh, so hey. upgrade for uh, Croatian Clooney. No longer living on the boat. Uh, Yosh, <laughs> Yosh then brings the girls out, one baby at each arm, which is just perfection. The noise, the noise he makes as he walks them out in each arm. And he's like, woof, woof, woof. <laughs> Uh, it's the best. I I just I want to I want to just capture this in a feeling, just bottle in it. a pill, and just take it forever. Yosh carrying these kids out is the best. Uh, is it even better than Luca carrying the kids? Yes, because okay. it's Yosh and he's precious. Yes, Fair that's enough. true. Uh, and yes, Cleo does pop upstairs to see Chad and Psych before she leaves. Lauren is right. All is right with the world. Uh, Carter is uh, back down to the ER. Carter is sorting out all the guns he got. Uh, he's got quite an arsenal here. Uh, and he says, after I gave away all the secret Santa gifts, uh, I just started writing checks uh, and then stashes the guns in his locker until the police can show up uh, to retrieve them. Uh, I would like to note that it's probably a good thing that Jerry's not here. He might, blow up, <laughs> he might somehow blow up the ER with all these guns, oh my even God. though none of them are explosive. Yeah, and they're all like, we do see Carter like unloading any like bullets, checking, checking all yeah. of them and stuff. Which the only reason I think he would know how to do that is because he went to the shooting range with Doyle once. I think that's the only reason he knows how to handle good, guns. Good at continuity all. there. Uh, but we get a uh, our next victim uh, trauma, our uh, drive by victim, seventeen year old with a single gunshot wound to the thigh. Hank Lohman. Uh, we also get a seven-year-old brought in, took a bullet aimed at his neighbor, uh, a.k.a. the 17-year-old. Uh, the seven-year-old got shot in the head, and there's gray matter all over the backboard. He is DOA. Well, on that bright new, on that bright hole thingy thing, let's go up back up to the surgical floor where Romano, Peter, and Lucy are working on Valerie. Okay, the pump is de-aired. Decreased bypass flow to two liters per minute. Start the LVAD. Uh, fixed mode, 20 cycles per minute. Moment of truth. It works. You're surprised? So loud, how's she gonna sleep at night? She'll get used to it. Just like hearing the beating of your own heart. Okay, pump is filling nicely. Hey, Peter, isn't that your munchkin out there? Oh, yeah, uh, you mind if I scrub out? Oh, first you want in, then you want out. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, it's Christmas. Go ahead, get the hell out of here. Ms. Knight, here to help me close? Sure. If you feel you're up to it. Absolutely. Hey, look, I know I was supposed to pick him up earlier, but the surgery came up. Hey. Save it, Peter. It's nothing I haven't heard before. Carly, you know it is the holidays. We could at least try to be civil. You want civil? Fine. Thank you very much for ruining my life. What is that supposed to mean? Roger and I aren't moving to Germany anymore. What? When Roger asked for time off a custody trial, his boss decided he wasn't promotion material after all. 
Um, I... Look, girl, I don't know what to say. I'm sure you don't. Look, okay. I'm sorry about Roger's job, but no, I'm not sorry that Reese gets to stay here with both his parents. Whatever, Peter. You won. Merry Christmas. Jesus. Peter, Peter still right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is a... Peter's still right. This is a particularly bad uh, appearance by Carla. Like, does yeah. not come off looking great here. Another example of the writers doing her dirty. Yeah, kind of. They've. De I think they have definitely firmly planted their flag in Jennifer Greenland with her at this point. Like, there is no redeeming Carla at this point. She will never have another thought that's not bitchy. Like, she will yeah. never not just be awful anytime we see her. Which is such a shame, because we had such a good foundation when she first came on that they could have built off of, and instead they turn her into the divorcing shrew. Yeah. Or not even divorcing, because they're not right. married, but into the shrew with the custody She's, she's the bitchy baby mama. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Black women everywhere deserve better than this. Yeah. But uh, remember when we talked way back in the day about uh, how there were those fleeting glimpses of humanity from Romano and how he was never going to have the clouds parting, all is right with the world moment that Jake so desperately wants with him. Yeah. Um, this is one of those mo like this is one of those times like yeah. him being genuinely like respectful and like on a le on a common ground with Lucy in this whole thing. And, you know having that little even with, even with Benton like, just yeah, there go. yeah he's like yeah 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 go like he still has his Romano he still has to like torture him a little bit because he's Romano and he can't help himself but at, at the end of it he's still just like yeah 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 get out of here it's I don't know yeah. it's nice uh but then we get a surprise Carter heads out and um he sees that Al Gabarski is there and um he goes to give the guns to Al when Al is talking about the kid that he brought in and it's the guy that um, Carter gave the Game Boy to earlier. And Carter freaks out because this is the kid that shot the seven-year-old, theoretically. And Carter dumps all the guns all over the kid that Al apprehended. Yeah, because the kid goes, what, you thought I couldn't get another gun? Yeah, he's like, yeah, I just went out and got another piece. He's like, yeah, that stupid Game Boy didn't even work. Didn't have a cartridge or batteries in it, you dummy. Yeah. So Carter just loses his shit. And as he's dumping the guns, there is a great piece of comedy acting here from Mike. Um, just grabbing the guns back and like trying to scoot them away from the kids' hands. Because, you know, he doesn't know if they're sure. loaded or not. So he's just like, shit, 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 shit. And it's the look on his face is so worth it. Like we, we talk about Ellen serving up just excellent facial comedy all the time. This is this is peak Al Gabarski. Al Gabarski. Also, Lizzie and I just spent about five minutes after watching that episode just going Gabarski. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so good oh. to say. It was like coming home a little bit. Yeah. Well, Carol's home, and uh, Luca brought Luca brought her there. So let's listen to their little conversation. Let's see how long this lasts. They had quite a night. Their first Christmas ever. It's hard to believe. It only happens once. Enjoy it. <sighs> Luca, wait. Do you have any Christmas plans? Oh, uh, like those two over there? Sleep? <laughs> Why don't you stay for some eggnog? It's the least I can do for all you've done. What, and end up like those Santas? I don't think so. <laughs> Come on, it's tradition. Oh, uh, what's in that eggnog exactly? Eggs, sugar, milk, rum. Rum. 
You know what? I, I, I suppose I can risk it, huh? Okay. They're cute. But eggnog, though? They're cute. Luca's cute. Carol's cute. The kids are cute. Eggnog's cute. cute. Ah. Yum. Eggnog sucks. Nope. Eggnog is delicious, even without the rum. Nah. Yep. I keep... We, we have this discussion every winter. That because I always say because one of you keep trying it. Yeah, I inevitably keep trying it. We always get like a little like one quart thing of it, and then and then I get the rest to myself. Yeah, I give it a try, and I'm like, why? Why did I? Why do I do this to myself? Why do I keep trying to like this? Because then I get it all. <laughs> it seems like something I would like. No, it doesn't. I mean, to me, you, it does. You don't like milk. You don't like. You don't like nutmeg. Those are two of like the key ingredients that go into eggnog. I don't know, but it seems like the sweet. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I weird. Love it. I want. It's March, and I want eggnog, fuckers. I want Green River. Fuck that. <sighs> so what's next? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what more I can really. We are so off the rails today, guys. Don't, don't know what more I can add happening? to the eggnog discourse, uh, other than I'm team anti uh, eggnog. None for me, thanks. All more for Lauren. Uh, the we go back to the yard. The Santas are all freed and done puking. Uh, and Carrie thanks uh, the one for his help, and he asks Carrie where they can get some bland food. And sort of sounds like he was uh, trying to ask her out. And uh, they ultimately uh, settle on Doc uh, across the street, which seems like the last place you would want to go if you're supposed to be on a bland diet. Like I know Carrie says that that's where the bland food is, but like. Come on now. Everything over there is like soaked in grease. Like, why would you send? You could probably get a, like a nice healthy plate of toast. Bacon. <laughs> we know Benton. I was going to say, I'm just flashing back to Benton in the early seasons of like, do you have, do you have oatmeal? No. Fruit cup? Fruit. No. <laughs> they don't have anything Bagel. healthy. Uh, but so yeah, sort of Carrie sort of kind of getting asked out here by Santa. Like this, I, as far yeah. as I can recall, this doesn't go anywhere. Like this doesn't turn turn no. into a thing, but it is sort of interesting it's more like hey come join come it's it's join all of us it's not yeah. join him specifically yeah. it's still very sweet. it is very sweet and we close out the episode with uh, lucy explaining the surgery results to valerie and uh romano with a very again nice little moment here where he says that uh lucy will have to come by his office next week to discuss disciplinary action because after all he does have a reputation to upkeep uh, which is, you know, again, between the two of them, it's a very, very genuinely sweet moment and, and closes out what is, I think, for my money, I think I probably said this about the season five Christmas episode, but this one, I think, is the best Christmas episode we have had to date. There may be better ones coming down the line that I just don't remember off the top of my head. But for my money, like this one does the best job so far of balancing the Christmas aspects of things without getting too schmaltzy and too mm-hmm. hallmarky, like thinking Benton with the magic black man from like season two or three mm. uh, and giving you some realness that you can sink your teeth into. That isn't an old lady rapist storyline. That was, you know, like <laughs> it gives you, it, it's, it really does strike a very nice balance between giving you a little bit of Christmas, Christmas schmaltz with a little bit of like good whole, you know, hearty realness that you can sink your teeth into. So for that, I think yeah. it's great. I need the season to stop being so good. I'm going to give this one a 7.5, not because it was necessarily lacking in anything, but because it didn't necessarily have anything that jumped out at me. It was, it was perfectly good. It set mm-hmm. some stuff up. We had some nice heartwarming moments, but 
in my vein of trying not to overrate every mm-hmm. single episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna settle on a seven point five for this. It was passable. There was nothing glaring wrong with it. I, I genuinely do not know why this one sticks out in my brain so much. Because zipper dick. <laughs> zipper it's, dick. <laughs> it's that is one of the things. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, we're already here. I mean, it is definitely. I think uh, probably the best maybe best lucy episode of the season like i would agree with that and, and i think probably the first time we've really gotten to see her stretch her legs as a character since uh the good fight back in season five when her and carter had their little field trip like she's mm-hmm. she's been largely sidelined since then and it's been it was really nice to see to be reminded that no like not only can lucy bring it when she wants to but also too this character's undergone a tremendous amount of growth in the last year and a half and um you know, like I said earlier in the episode, we're hurtling towards that finish line. It'll be really interesting to see how we bridge that gap from where we are in this episode to where we go in just what, six weeks? Like, that's crazy to think about. We got to bring Abby back first. First and foremost. Yep. Two more, uh, two, two episodes. Yeah. Episode 11. Yeah. Daniel gets his girl back. Yes. I give it an eight. Anyway, what the listeners have to say about it. Uh, Michelle K says, Lucy would have made a great doctor. She knew how to play the system. She wasn't afraid to advocate for her patient, even against Romano of all people. And she deserved everyone's respect. Talking to you, Carter. Megan M says, such a great episode. Lucy showing up at Romano's house was great, and she definitely earned his respect with that bold move. Bonus points for Gretel barking in the background. And again, to this next listener, I'm so sorry. We still haven't figured out how to pronounce your name, and I apologize. But um, Juve J says, Lucy standing up to Romano at his doorstep. So good. You can almost see Romano thinking, finally, someone who has a backbone in this hospital. That's one of the reasons why I'll always love and respect Lucy. She was not intimidated by anybody, not even the chief of staff and Chicago's biggest bully who can definitely ruin her career. Lucy was not an ass kisser. I remember a certain surgical intern who didn't stand up for his friend because he was scared of his mentor and then chief of staff. Honestly, the only reason why the whole Lucy Carter student teacher thing in season five worked for me, especially with the way Carter was mistreating her. If they didn't make her character strong enough to stand for herself every time, that storyline would have been so harsh for me to watch, so hard for me to watch. Lastly, I'm so sorry, Lauren. This is long and stupid. Again, never apologize for voicing your feelings. That is what this forum is for. We love it. I cherish it. Y'all are great. Please keep giving me shit to read. Um, Kate R. says, I could watch that Lucy Romano OR scene all day. I loved every second of it. Especially he asked her to help him with the procedure and he questions if she thinks she's up to it. And Lucy confidently says, absolutely. It just shows how much growth her character had. This is the same person who refused to start an IV because she didn't want to punish the patient. I can't believe we're losing her soon. She's such a good character and she was only getting better. She was robbed and I'm so mad. Franner W says, The Romano-Lucy dynamic in this is one of my favorite storylines of all. As much as I recoil from him usually, human Romano always gets me in the feels. And then as the storyline progresses, he remains human with Lucy without babying her. The return of Chad and his mom is really is a really good depiction of the denial an alcoholic can be in, sometimes for years. She isn't even aware she is one, so how can her son be one? And it's not drugs, right? 
So that's okay. Because drugs are bad. But breaking bones because you're pissed up and took a massive spill and have liver function of an elderly old man is okay because it's not drugs, right? I don't know if there's an emoji that the youth use to depict sarcasm, but this is where I would insert it. Oh, bless you, Franner. At SMB for the win says, All Corday wanted for Christmas was for her patient to die. Oh, this guy is the stuff of nightmares, and I always hated that a male member of the surgical staff wasn't assigned to him after the sexual harassment. Wait, it's county, so sexual harassment is encouraged. On a happier note, Lucy is wonderful in this advocating for her patient. I cackle when Romano installs the Alvad and, and pounces on Benton over while Lucy was the one advocating for the patient and not Benton. This is probably one of the best Romano episodes we get. We get to see he genuinely does care about patients and teaching, even if he hides it behind grumpy assholeness. Sweet summer child Carter, you think you can separate a criminal from their guns so easily. A for effort. Last, if anyone wants a laugh, go find the outtakes for this episode. Also, Lauren, thank you for reading all of my long-ass responses. I clearly have a lot of feelings. We all have a lot of feelings or else the three of us wouldn't be doing this fucking show. Please keep them coming in. We it's love very them. true. But that's going to wrap it up our episode for today, folks. Thank you all very much for listening as always. We appreciate it. Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 40 hours of bonus audio and video content including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be, as Daniel mentioned earlier, also be sure to check us out on the official Saying the Tone community Facebook page. Our theme music is brought to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on The Popular Court YouTube, playing Diablo 3 with Lizzie every Wednesday until the end of time or until we beat it again for the 18th time. Um, 18th? I will... that should be, that's, being, that's being generous. Yeah, I know. Um, and also on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, which is probably still full of Elden Ring memes and cats. So we've been, we've beaten it at least 25 times by this point. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can also find me on the popular courts, YouTube channel. Uh, I'm doing a let's play of mass effect two. Uh, also from now until the end of time, <laughs> game will not end. Uh, new episodes that are out every Friday at, uh, youtube.com slash the popular courts. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Bye.